Welcome to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. In a troubled world riddled with endless pursuits, we have a place of peace and rest in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in worshiping Him and following Him in a life-transforming journey. Now, here's my friend Mark to introduce today's sermon. Good morning. Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho welcomes you to our continuing series, Marks of a Living Church. Ever been to a sporting event and felt included by the excitement, yet lonely in the crowd? Listen and hear how our culture of busy and empty leaves us incomplete. Find out how, when you receive Christ as Lord and read His Word, you abide in Him and become complete. A few years ago, we, my wife and I had the opportunity to gather and attend uh, the congregational meeting of the Raider Nation. We went to a football game preseason, and interestingly enough, we experienced what people can also call church. We sat in a row with people we did not know. We cheered. We got involved. Well, I cheered and I got involved. My wife was watching. As some of you, maybe those are Baptists, they sit back there and watch. I guess a football game is more Pentecostal than Baptist, than if anything. And as we're watching, the, the group of people in front of us, wouldn't you believe that they looked at us and they offered us to give us a bowl of nachos? So they're feeding us now. It's so biblical. But not only that, at the, right before the game was over, these guys, as they were leaving, they offered me a t-shirt. They were clothing us. <laughs> Everything that a church is supposed to do was happening at this Raider Nation Congregational Church in Oakland at a football game. We were created to be connected. We were created to receive and give love. Nevertheless, because of the world having influenced us, we actually treat church like a movie theater. Remember going to a movie theater, you get the popcorn, you get the food, you get the, the show, the entertainment, the great seating, but no one talks to anybody. Uh, you may laugh and you may cheer for the people on the screen, but no one goes home talking to anybody. There's no connections. And so many churches operate the same way Today, something that Randy Frazee from Saddleback Community Church stated and called it crowded loneliness. We may be together, but you're alone. You come in, you leave. What a great Sunday. Have we lived church life? And I dare to tell you, we have not, if that's all there is. So we have to go back to see all that Jesus meant when he walked with them. He lived with them. He talked about this world, abide in me. In my words, abide in you. We've got to redefine what church life is meant to be and what God bled it to be. My church for whom I have given my life will defeat the gates of hell. Will it do it in the present state? I venture to tell you no. 
So in his discussion of crowded loneliness, he says that the reported average family manages 35 separate relationships on a day-to-day basis. I've heard people often say, and actually it was the ones that were successful in their mindset, successful financially, successful in their business, and what they would say is, I don't need any more friends, because you think you have everything. Now, you may, say from, you may say that from a successful perspective, or maybe you say it from a hurtful perspective. I don't need any more friends. They either backstab you and they suck away the life from you, or you think you've got it all, so you need no one. Children, extended family, government, school, friends, work employees, landlords, telemarketers, etc. And this is before the church, the family gets involved in church life. And he refers this phenomenon as crowded loneliness. The truth is we are in desperate need of relationships that can breathe life into our own lives and chances for we, for us to be able to breathe and pour out our lives in somebody else's life because that's when you really live. And though we think that this is true, we live a very counterintuitive life. We come and go through drive throughs of relationship. We wind up home and we say, I'm all alone. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 is the filter and translator of Acts chapter 2, 42 and on. What does it mean that they were gathered together? They were in the temple and in each other's houses daily. They were breaking bread with joy. They were listening and learning from the apostles, teaching on a regular basis. All of this can be summed up in Colossians chapter 2. It says, as you received Christ Lord Jesus, if the focus of your life is to be like Jesus, follow Jesus. See, today we're going to start really putting feet to the fire and, and, and tires to the road in trying to explain what does it mean to follow Jesus. Is it just saying an amen in church? Is it just saying, I believe the Bible? How do you live in following Jesus? Remember, the disciples said, Lord, where do you live? And he said, come follow me. You receive Christ Jesus, so walk in Him. And if I were to ask you the question, are you walking in the Lord? You'd you'd have to say yes. But what does it mean? To what level? In agreement? In philosophy? Mindset? Or are you making the decisions that actually cost you as it cost Him in following Him? So walk in Him. This is living in the Word of God. And so therefore we have broken up and we understand from what the church was doing in that first century where they, God added to their number. Right? And that text of Acts underlined that phrase, remind it to yourself every time you're concerned about the size of your church, no matter where you are. A pastor cannot add to, your, to the number of this church. And if the elder board tries to add to the number by 
hiring staff, hiring different people, enlarging the church, and, and trying to build it financially, it will collapse financially. It is God that adds the number. So the question is, what must we do for God to say, I'm going to add to their number? Because there's joy in growth as every family. There's joy when children are born. There's joy when your life has fruit. Think of all the times that you've done something in your home, whether it's cleaning or building. When you're done, you say, it is good. This week they came in here and they changed and they had all these lights. And I'm watching him do it. And, and, and Jay was used by God and he made this connection and contact. And, and as they turned the lights on, I looked at Jay. I said, it is good. At the end of great labor. I think of, uh, of Shad. He works in painting and he's working on doors and different buildings. I know that when he's done, he looks back and says, it is good. And you want to do more because there's success. So what is the success of a church in mirroring Jesus, touching, transforming lives? It begins with being rooted in the Word of God. And I venture to tell you that that rooting does not take place here. All that happens here, you, have a, you may have a dynamo on the stage and you keep on turning and electricity and sparks are coming up and they're trying to get the car going so you could live out throughout the week being rooted in the Word of God. So, the first principle of a living church what we are called to in living in a deeper relationship with Jesus is that a living church abides in the life-transforming Word, and this takes place in a small group. It begins, it settles, it begins to change lives in a life group. Here you're being challenged. Here you're being encouraged, maybe convicted. But now we got to go out and say, what must we do now? We must live life on a missional stage by being rooted in God's Word in a life group. The word abiding, we see this often, read John 15 over and over again. The idea of being connected to a level that begins to give conviction and comfort at the same time. It's not good enough to pat somebody on the back and say, I hope things will be okay, things will be fine. That transforms nobody. It sounds good, but it's useless. That transformation, that comfort comes to the connection of abiding. What does it mean to, be, to abide? Some other translations say, remain, abide in me. Jesus mainly may say, remain, do not rush, sink deep, sink deep. To stay, to remain, to continue, and ultimately it means to endure, not to give up, not to give in, not to be discouraged, not to say, well, I've had enough, enduring. To the end, abiding is a verb. A living church abides, is rooted in the transforming Word of God. And again, here you've got the proclamation, you've got the challenge, but now when we leave here during the week, how do we live it? Because that's where it transforms, okay? It's an active verb. 
Abiding in Christ is not a feeling or even a, just a belief. It's something that we do. Think the things that you love to do. Think of all the people that love golfing. As frustrating as that game may be. All right? People abide. They keep going back and they're paying money to do it, to chase this little ball from one hole to another. And they shank and they hit and, they, and they, they're just angry. But they keep going back. What is it? Well, it's that one good putt they get that brings them back or that one good drive. And, and they know I got to learn. I got to continue. I got to strive. I'm abiding. We do that with so many of our hobbies, but somehow we misunderstand that living life in a church is so much more than a hobby, but we exemplify those needed characteristics out there, and we forget that we must live that way as a church. Notice I didn't say in here. The church is alive, and as we're looking at the whole valley, where the Lord has placed you and where you live, as I mentioned earlier, God has planted you all the way from Cuna, all the way to Emmet, all the way to the foothills, all the way to the end of Meridian. It is a net of ministry that we are called as the Church of Trinity to become and begin to transform our communities, emanating from here and touching lives everywhere you live. That cannot be done on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. That's done throughout the week. This abiding entails so much more than the idea of just believing in a Savior. It means living with a Savior. This abiding relationship, as we look at, at John, is what the Lord presents as the connection and the parallel of the vine and the branches. If you're not connected to the vine, I am the vine, says Jesus. If you're not connected and rooted, you will die. You will wither and you will be broken off. What does it mean to live as a life group rooted in the Word of God? Well, let me put it this way. I guarantee you that if I were to ask you to give me a couple of points of the message of last week, very few of you will be able to. Because you forgot. We all listen to sermons left and right, and we retain this much. And hopefully, that is a cumulative growth to what we listen to, and eventually, that nail being hit on the head so often eventually protrudes and makes connection. But you don't remember last week's message, do you? Uh, it was good, I don't know. Oh, it was long. Oh, that you remember. <laughs> Now, I'll get back to that because we time everything in life. Well, whenever we go to the movies, I'm sorry, I'm that way. If I go to a movie, I look and see how long it is. If it's 90 minutes, I'm disappointed. If it's 120 minutes, I'm like, yes. As long as it could be, give me lots of popcorn. I'm going to sit in that theater till, till my eyes go blue. But when it comes to church, oh, it's one hour, we're done. What does it say about our spiritual life in need? Whether it's a movie or a game or whatever it is, you want your bang for the buck in the money. You want it to last as long as it could be. You go to Disney, you pay $150 for the day. When I used to go to the theme parks, I was there 15 minutes before it started, and I was the last one pushed out the gates. And I took as many roller coaster rides as I could to get the best bang for the buck. But when it comes to God's word, oh, I'm so tired. 
I'm not tired Monday morning when I got to go to work. I'm not tired on Saturday. I got to go fishing. Sunday morning, I'm so tired. Don't you think that one day we're going to give an account for that to the Lord Jesus? Even as his children? Yes, you are. And so will I. What does it mean to be rooted? I was going to say, how many of you drive? How many of you are being driven? Now think about the situation. You go to a new, new location, new city, new place. If you are being driven and you're being told where to go or you're watching where you're going, you will not know those streets. You'll scratch your head. How do I get there again? How do I get to Colt Street over where Webb lives? Because GPS drives me. I don't pay attention. I don't know how to get there without my GPS. But if I have to drive, it's embedded in my head. I know the street corners. I know the Starbucks on the corner. I know the Albertsons over there. I make a right here. I make a left there. I know it because I am involved in making those steps. When you sit in church Sunday morning, you're being driven. It may be a great ride or a short ride or a boring ride, but you're being driven on Sunday morning. When you begin to drive yourself in your personal Bible study, when you begin to drive yourself in your home groups, life groups, life begins to change because now you know where things are. Here's the first principle. And we're talking about being rooted, abiding in the importance. It is a transforming power of the Word of God that takes place in a life group. Because now you get to drive, you get to put your hands on the wheel, you get to ask questions, you get to ask secondary questions. You are involved and the baby becomes yours. Because if the baby's not yours, you don't care. Now, do what you will, I'm along for the ride. Right? But when you are driving and you're involved, now it makes matters, it matters, things make a, a difference. Principle number one. We in life groups must be rooted in the Word of God because it is the sure and strong foundation. The Word of God is the only foundation that will keep you in the midst of the storm. The words and encouragements and promises of people have no weight in comparison to the Word of God. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 3.16. And here we understand that these roots, they run deep. They're promised by God, they're upheld by God, and they're fulfilled by God. 1 Timothy 3.16 All scriptures is God-breathed and profitable for teaching. As we get together in the life groups, the point is that we would learn not just what we're being fed, but we're asking questions that we want to find out. What does God's word mean? And by the way, never use the phrase, here's what the word means to me. It's irregard. It's regard it doesn't matter what it means to you. Yeah, we complain about the word. There's no such a word as irregardless, right? But we hear it so often. It doesn't matter what it means to you. The question is, what does the word of God mean? Period. By the way, there's no my truth and your truth. It may be an opinion and a bad one at best. What does the word of God mean? Period. All scriptures God breathed and is profitable for teaching and for reproof. We spoke about that this morning. We, we love advice, we love encouragement, but God forbid that anybody reproves us. 
You need the connection in the life groups and the love for the Word of God and the intimate connection with the people around you for God to be able to use that Word to reprove you or to change or to tell you, listen, you're on the wrong path, wrong decision, wrong words, wrong mindset, without us kicking back saying, no, not me, Lord. Reproof, correction, training in righteousness. It is this relationship in the life and home groups that can actually bring in training. Anything you want to be good at requires training and dedication. Think of the athletes. Think of the entrepreneurs. There's this bleeding, life-giving over day in and day out and doing these things to be trained to be successful. Why do we think the Bible requires less and strength in life requires less being a Christian through osmosis? Training. This happens in life group gathering. Why? So that the man of God may be equipped, having been thoroughly equipped for every good work. These roots run deep. And you take this by faith. And you begin saying, you know what? So now as we're going to begin to define what it means, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things. Your job, your retirement, your friends, everything else will be added to you as a bonus. But you got to seek the kingdom of God. So how do I seek the kingdom of God? Number one, I will make time to meet with my life group. That's where God's kingdom takes place. And though I may not understand it or see it, I believe it. Then down the road, when life begins to crumble, God will use my training, my equipping, and my connection with my life group brothers and sisters to sustain me and be strong. You think that life group and the fact that church was meeting in little groups throughout the week was an option? By no means. If we think that we can or cannot because we got other responsibilities, we couldn't be more wrong when it comes to being part of the church and following Christ. Look at John 15 verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. In a way that kind of is conditional. You abide in me and if you're abiding in me, I will be abiding in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit from itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. And he, re, he restates it. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. And you can think of that being a general description of everything that is both a command, a blessing, a requirement, and a leading by God that your life will be lived to the fullest. That's the fruit. And everything that we need bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So there we can draw that conclusion that my life may be in the state that it is in. The storms are depressing me and destroying me from within because they are. And the possibility that I am so weak is because I'm not abiding. And even the small group, the life group, what it does is teaches me not to be, not to abide with a group, but to abide with Jesus. Because that's where we encourage and we remind, we protect, and we challenge each other to abide in Jesus. And that's the Word of God. 
verse 7 and in verse actually 8, 7 and 10 of the same chapter in John 15. He continues to explain the importance of the abiding and the remaining, the enduring. My Father is glorified by this. Why must I bear so much fruit? Because in verse 5 says that you bear much fruit. Why fruit? Why must I have fruit in my life? And then he says, because my Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And when you live your life to the fullest, and there's fruit in your life both within and without in touching people's lives, here's what happens. You prove to be my disciples. Study and learn with others what strength God and Christ provide you. You find out His promise and purpose through His Word in time spent with Him. Lord, help us seek You first. Grant us Your direction to hear You and walk in Your way each day. Amen. Thank you for listening to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. For more information about our church, visit us online at trinityefcboise.org or by phone 208-322-8801. Our church is located at 1777 North Allenbaugh Street in Boise. We'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at 11 a.m. Join us next week at this time as we go through and apply God's Word on Scriptures for Life.